Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. You can see our scout boys in the back uh, as part of our um, troop that's on our campus back here at the Rock House. And I said Rock House instead of Stone House. Um, and they meet uh, every week and uh, we have a growing relationship with them. Make sure you greet them. Uh, make them feel welcome here at Memorial. If you are a visitor today, well, we're grateful that you're here. If, you're, uh, if you'll indicate that in our um, attendance register that goes by for the offering, and if you'd like to give us any sort of contact information that you like, your favorite way to communicate, we'll try to communicate with you in that way. Every first Sunday of the month, we have an exploring membership class uh, at 10 o'clock. It's between uh, Sanctuary and the gym. It's the social halls, a smaller building in between. And you can learn more about other visitors to the church. You can learn more about um, our philosophy, me, and uh, uh, other staff. And so I invite you to do that every first Sunday. That will be uh, coming up on June 5th. Um, in two weeks, we have a combined worship service. That combined service is here in the sanctuary. So in two weeks, we will not meet here at 11 o'clock. If you come at 11, we'll be walking out the doors. Come at 10 o'clock. Um, the combined service is at 10 so that we can have a cookout for Memorial Day in the Family Life Center and in, uh, on the playground. Uh, we'll also do something that uh, I don't know how long it's been since y'all have done it. It's been a long time since I've done it. But we're going to give you the opportunity in that service to call out your favorite hymns. It's going to be a simplified traditional service where we will um, play your favorite hymns on the piano and sing along uh, with one another. So I encourage you to do that. May 29th, we will, our worship will be at what time? Where will that worship be? Here in the sanctuary. Make sure you tell um, your friends. We'll put it on the sign, but make sure we tell everybody. Administrative Council meets today. We used to meet at 3 p.m., which is about the worst possible time you could ever have a meeting. Sunday at 3 it cuts into every opportunity you have on Sunday afternoon, including nap time, which is very special to me. Nap time is very, very special. So we will meet at 12.15. Immediately following the service, Administrative Council will meet at 12.15. And one month from now, Immediately following the service, Program Council will meet at 12.15. That way we'll be done with our meeting and you can go home and do whatever you do before you come back for Sunday night programming. Um, we'll have light snacks today to bridge the gap between worship and lunchtime. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, Marsha and Tyler Mays are a great uh, family in our church and they've been part of a Sunday school class for about 10 years that are all about their age that all started um, uh, before they had kids and now a good number of them have kids and Marsha and Tyler are starting a new class for the generation or the group coming behind them. They have a kickoff dinner tonight at their house and if you're interested in going to that if you just let me know I'll make sure you get linked up with them and if you miss a dinner tonight it's certainly not a big deal you can join them anytime but that will be coming at some point in the summer uh, class for our um, younger couples and singles in the church. Um, believe that's it. One combined service in two weeks at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Let's begin our service.
please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn, Every Time I Feel the Spirit. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to turn to page 39 for our baptismal liturgy. Page 39. <coughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered us without price. I present Sloan Elizabeth Grugan for baptism. What's up? Are you finally? Uh-huh. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Congregation, we now turn to you. You're not um, passive witnesses. You're on the edge of your seat participants in this promise. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? One of our retired ministers, Reverend Fred Parker, is going to lead us in our prayer over the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth life. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds of rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Saints Saint the Lord on the earth, tell God's mercy to shed. In the fullness of time, you said Jesus nurtured in the water of the womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his words to the nations, his glory from all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness through her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. All, All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Amen.
it's okay. Sloan Elizabeth, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People ask me about United Methodists baptizing infants, and I love, love, love to tell them why. The fact that God loves us before our action, before we do anything, before we make any sort of promises. God's love and provision have gone before us. And so we baptize in that name, and next week we'll have confirmation around the time other denominations have baptism. And our confirmands will formally accept the love that was offered to them in their baptism. This is just the way Katie looks at me. You're so interesting. Say more things. Right? Something like that. Mm. Yeah. Let's um, bring her down and let's have her brothers put, put your hand on her. Everybody put your hand up on her. There we go. Sloan and Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Members of the household of God, I commend this entire family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. You may be seated. And we're starting a new um, tradition here where we sing the first and third verses of hymn number 611 in your hymnal. If you'll take that out and everyone's going to remain seated and the choir's going to lead us in the singing of that song. Number 611. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for singing that. 
Throughout these two months, we've had speakers talk about different service organizations that are very local, that are somewhat local, and um, some travel a great distance. And our um, speaker today is talking about Redbird Mission. It was more of a trip away from Greer uh, than being local in Greer, and I'm going to call Carol Kaysen up to speak to us. In each of these instances, um, I suspect that you can't do eight different things in addition to the things that you are already doing. And I assume some of the missions seem interesting to you and some you think, mm -mm. But I'm hoping that in every case as we provide a new mission, it may be something that's of interest to you at some point in the future. Okay, um, the Redbird um, Mission Center is a, um, is a mission center that is in, in Kentucky. It's in a very desolate place. And uh, our church, as well as a lot of the other Methodist churches in, in South Carolina, send um, volunteers there to help do some work around the mission or to go out into the community and, um, and, and do work on houses and apartments and so forth. Um, Memorial said five women this time and we five women braved this adventure and went out into to, uh, the back roads of Kentucky and uh, provided a service that I think we, we can be very proud of. Um, Paige Brooks, um, Joanne Richford, Ann Phillips, and Kathy Weiss and I all went and our project was this time was to paint an infant's and a children's uh, supply rooms where they kept diapers and clothes and all this. And as you know, the, the Redbird Mission occupies an old hospital. So you can imagine what kind of shape um, the hospital had gotten in since the 1920s. Um, so we did that, and we did a very good job of it, I must say. Um, we had to clean and paint and spackle and and um, and put up kills because of the walls and the, the ceilings were in terrible shape. Um, we grouped up with the men from Aldersgate and uh, they helped us do chores and we did some of the um, chores around the um, center like um, after meal cleanup and things like that. But it was a blessing to team up with this group because they were old hands at this and uh, some of us was very new at it. Um, one of the highlights of the, of the um, visit for me was going on a home visit uh, with a public health nurse. Um, as a former and retired public health nurse, I was really interested in seeing what kind of visits they made, what kind of nursing care that they provided, and to see what kind of reactions the patients had to this type of care. Um, it was very evident that, that the families and the, the patients was very gracious for, for the care that was being provided. Um, not only by the public health nurse, but also by the volunteers that came and built picnic areas and and gazebos and porches and um, redoing kitchens and and uh, all kind of things for the home, on the homes of these people. 
it was a blessing to go and I would encourage anyone else who has the time and, and loves to be of service to people to go uh, if they have that opportunity. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to go. Thank you.
the scripture for today is Romans 8, 12 through 17. It's found on page 1757 in your pew Bibles. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings that we have witnessed this day in both of our worship services. And we thank you for the commitment to missions that this church has represented for many, many decades. We thank you for the text that you have given us and the story of your word coming alive to people in a brand new way. Sometimes when we read a familiar story, we figure that we have the plot and we have the punchline. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to hear this text anew this day. We pray for those who cannot be with us because they're traveling or because they're ill or caring for someone who is ill. And we ask for your presence amongst them until they return. Bless us and guide us this morning, Lord, and inspire us with the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite Rodney and Amy Reeves forward. And I want to invite you all to turn to page 38 in your hymnal. We have three members join our church at 9 o'clock, and we have um, two joining today, and we have a couple joining in the next couple weeks each, uh, in each service that we're in. It's always exciting to have uh, baptisms and new members, and I'm grateful for that. I asked each family to give me uh, notes on their family that I could share. Uh, Rodney comes from Arrowwood Baptist Church, and Amy comes from Broad Street, UMC, in Clinton. Rodney's a project manager for Morgan Corp, a commercial construction contractor, and Amy's insurance agent at BB&T. Um, they have one son, Hamp Thomason, who lives in Columbia, South Carolina. Moved to Greer in 2015, both graduates of PC, and met at a PC alumni meeting and got married on Christmas Eve 2015, 2014, 2014. Um, and so very, very happy to have y'all. Um, Rodney, I'll ask you one question because you're coming from the Baptist Church and then I'll ask you both questions. 
Rodney is a member of um, Christ Universal Church. Will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your powers to strengthen its ministries? I'll ask you both. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries? And there's an extra word since this hymnal's been printed. By your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And congregation, I now turn to you. I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. And in your liturgy, if you'll say, and witness at the end. We give thanks for all that God has already given you. And we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you and the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all glory, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may you live in grace and peace. Welcome to Memorial. Welcome. And we don't clap much in traditional, but y'all can clap now. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. We had finance committee today, and we are um, tracking along in a, a, a very excellent way, thanks to the promises that you made last fall and the way that you've kept them uh, this year. We're entirely grateful for that, and we thank you.
to tour Pelham Medical Center as part of my Leadership Greer class last week and I've been in there probably 25 times visiting people in the last five years and they showed us things that I had never noticed and now it's unbelievable how many times you see it. Their whole campus is based on a concept of a leaf and it, everywhere you go you'll see this uh, if you would look down on it uh, from the sky you'd see the concept of a leaf and everywhere you go in the building you see little leaves and big leaves all over the place. The con and there's all sorts of concepts and um, thoughts that go in to make it in a comfort, comforting place. Um, I have to be honest, I don't always notice little details like that until somebody points them out to me. And it occurred to me I should point out some of the details. You're not normally going to see red in a worship service. It's not used very often in um, worship. There are other seasons that use a color for a pretty long period of time. Um, Advent and Lent, you'd pr use purple for a long time. Christmas and Easter, use white for a significant amount of time. And then we have um, what's called um, ordinary time in the summer, which isn't necessarily in the program year, and you'll see green far often than not. So <laughs> Don, if Don were a chef, he's always cooking with fresh ingredients appropriate to the season. So you can see him amped up today even more than he typically is, which is entirely appropriate because it's Pentecost. It's a day in which we celebrate the Spirit. And so you'll see it on everything. You'll see the Spirit on everything. And in fact, um, Harriet, our director of traditional worship, in fact, has red glasses on. She, even her glasses are liturgically appropriate, which I think is uh, a serious attention to detail for y'all. She's doing it for y'all. Um, so the scripture today has every bit to do with that excitement. And it has to do with something happening on a day that was already exciting. So let's look at the story. It's Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So the thing that I would uh, want to make sure we point out is even before this, this day is already a special day. The people of, are gathered in Jerusalem of the Jewish faith for the festival of weeks. This is seven weeks after the festival of Passover in which God, uh, the last act that liberated them from Egypt. Now seven weeks later, they are celebrating the Feast of Weeks. It has to do with two things. Um, one is agriculture. And they're bringing the first fruits of their labor to come and offer them. The best that they have, they are, come to, they are coming to offer to God. And it has to do with theology. They're also commemorating the time in which they were given the law out in the wilderness. Uh, uh, at, you know, after the Passover and after they've been liberated and they're out in the desert. And then Moses goes up on the mountain and he comes back down with the law. So people from all over are in Jerusalem, just like they were for Passover at a time when we celebrate Easter. So two things we would all likely admit about holidays that come around annually. One, sometimes we love to follow the exact same ritual. We love to say the same things, we love to do the same things, we love to eat the same things, we love to gather in the same place. Sometimes. The repetitiveness makes the significance lost on us. We've done enough, you know, okay, we're doing that, so what do we say? Okay, we'll do that, and then we all go home, we'll go get a snack, and then we'll all go home. No telling what the balance was of people who were entirely interested and engaged in this annual ritual, and the people who thought, yeah, it's time that we do this again. But both parties found a very significant change in what was happening that day, and it was the disciples who were able to speak in all sorts of different languages. So let's look at verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language. So if these people are coming from all sorts of different nations to one place, and that one place is already busy before they get there, and it's just teeming with people, and they're coming from all those different sorts of places, what do you think would divide these people? Language, nationality, politics, culture. These all would be dividing aspects of this enormous crew that would be there. Together, they all have a belief in God that has drawn them to Jerusalem. But they got all sorts of ways to divide themselves after doing that. If you think how the Christian church has so many denominations based on little tiny changes, and even churches, within one church you'll have people who have different sorts of beliefs, even on one pew, you have people who have different sorts of beliefs. Even in one family, you'll have people who have different sorts of beliefs. And all those beliefs are coming together in one spot. But they're all united in one thought as this thing has happened. Bewilderment. What on earth? Why can these men speak in languages that I can understand? And how are they understanding too? You know, if you go to a major, major global convention... Someone will be speaking like this. Someone will be over there doing sign language. 
someone else will be, uh, uh, or uh, many other people will be up in um, boxes translating what that person's saying so that you have the technology in your ear. Oh, that's happening here. These 12 men are speaking and everyone is hearing them in their own language. Matt Skinner is a professor of New Testament and he, gave, he um, shared this about this text and I love it. Backwoods Galileans speaking foreign languages attract attention among other Jews in Jerusalem, both residents and pilgrims celebrating the Feast of Weeks, which I described. Capturing the attention of a crowd is one thing. Making sense is another. The cosmopolitan crowd in that place expresses both curiosity and scorn. They clamor for an explanation and for meaning. So what does all that mean? Um, how many busy cities have you been to? I've been fortunate to go to a number of them. Some of them big and loud like New York. Some of them really not all that big and loud like, say, Indianapolis. If you go to New York and you go to one of the major corners and you watch that corner for a little while, you'll see something crazy happen. Or you'll see someone an extended amount of time in that corner. Sometimes it's a very positive thing, like a person playing percussion on a level that you have never heard in your life on a bucket with a couple sticks. And sometimes it's a person truly misbehaving in a way that is threatening to the people that are passing by. So uh, Professor Skinner was saying, yeah, anybody in a large crowd can get people's attention. You just start waving your hands and people are going to look. He said, but these men have their attention and they're making sense. But the way he starts it off, backwoods Galileans, meaning the people in Jerusalem, knowing those men are from Galilee, are thinking, wait, these guys? Who are these guys to know anything? Which is a clear theme that goes all throughout the Bible. The people who have been chosen to do something in the name of God often come from places where people who are from more significant places say what? Wait, who's this guy from? Jesus himself. Nazareth. What good can come from there? These men have caught their attention and I'm going to make a run at verse 9 and on and see if I can get this right. It's listing the people who are gathered there. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? You've caught our attention. You've spoken in our language. You've declared something exciting. Now what does it mean? Captive all over the place. And prior to this event, even when they were in their own land, the Babylonians came in, conquered them, and said, we're going to take your best and brightest, and we're singing him there, singing him there, we're singing him there, we're singing her there, we're singing him there, spreading them out all throughout the country, making sure that their nation has the best and brightest, and that your nation is crushed and over. But someone defeats the Babylonians and says, you people, you can go back to your home. And some of them want to go back to their home and they go back. 
But some of them, uh, you know, like when you think, I don't want to move to that place. Please don't make me move to that place. And then you move to that place, and then you're there, and you go, I don't ever want to move from here. This is amazing. Even when you have the opportunity to go back. You say, no, I really, I think these are my roots. I think this is where I want to be. So those people of Israel, generations later, are scattered far more than they ever were because of being conquered. And now they've all come back to this place, speaking all their different languages, and have every opportunity to be divided amongst one another. And they're united. Verse 14 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, which I think is a fascinating explanation for why they are not drunk. It's too early. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So a new thing is happening. A new thing is happening in an annual ritual, which is not common. Sometimes we can get bogged down in those annual rituals. And he's saying, this isn't a new thing that defies anything you've ever been. In fact, I'll even quote a prophet for you back in Joel. These people might not believe in Jesus. They might not know Jesus. But if they're faithful Israelites, people of religion, they know Joel. They know the prophet. And he says, tell you what, I'll even quote the prophet and explain this moment. So sometimes when people see prophets or they hear of prophecy, they think of, um, uh, uh, what's the guy who said that Armageddon was coming in 2000? No, uh, Nostradamus? Is that right? Who remember? People were like, uh, you know, they're looking at a ball and this is what's coming. And basically it's a punchline. You know, we're looking, somebody will post something on Facebook that says, somebody said that the world was supposed to end on July 12th, 2011. Guess not. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, I'm going to go get a sandwich. There, the prophecy is often a um, joke or a punchline. But these prophets are quite serious. And their message is not, this is what's going to happen in 2,000 years always. A lot of times it's interpreting the very present. They're supposed to understand God. They're supposed to understand what they see and the human beings around them. And they're supposed to talk about the differences. And sometimes Israel's broken and battered. And they say, this is not the end of all things. Things are going to get better. And sometimes Israel's doing an amazing work. And they say, this is not a perfect indicator that we're getting it right. Guess how much people like to listen to prophets? Not much. Peter says understand and believe that this is the fulfillment of what Joel said. We're giving a new prophecy. Professor Skinner said, People, Peter does not speak of prophecy as predicting the future. Instead, prophecy is truth-telling. It is naming the places and ways where God intervenes or initiates in this world. It is a component of proclaiming the word of God and identifying God's salvation at work. So we celebrate Pentecost by thinking, what new thing are we being told? What new thing are we being shown? 
what way can we celebrate God's covenant? Interesting thing is that we celebrated two covenants today. And again, there's time. I am a huge baseball fan. I love to watch it on TV. And there are uh, two drastically different types of fans. You'll see them and the camera will go on and they're looking at their phone. And then you'll see people who are on the edge of their seat like this. <laughs> Watching it. Which one do you think I'm figuring, I'm hoping you're going to be when you make that pledge, that promise? What are we promising? Oh yeah, I'm going to give my whole heart and faith. And what was that last word? He said there was the last word that wasn't in the book. I'm giving my whole heart. My faith, my promise, my pledge to you that this is going to be an environment where God's word continues to be proclaimed. Not in some crazy new way that's against anything that's ever been, but in a new way for this community that fulfills God's promise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll tell you another thing to notice. I walked in the choir room and I didn't see Renessa. And I said, where's Renessa? She'd only been here a week. Renessa's just had a commitment today. She's not been chased off after one week. Although we do. Her absence let me see you direct, which I'm grateful for. That was awesome. Please stand and join us in our final hymn, number 420. And I'll invite the um, Revises to come to the back and greet you in the back. Administrative Council meets directly following this service in the social hall, so if you'll join us if you're on that group. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
Amen. Mm-hmm.